Welcome to Solutions, where men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. I want to announce my first book, 10 Most Effective Ways to Reignite Self-Love. It's a deep reflection and deep dive into yourself, how to make yourself better overall. Check it out. It's available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. If you want more info, email me at solutionsformen at sheen1.com or the author at sheen1.com. Let me know. You can RSVP one if you like. Now back to the show. Today, we have on the show an educated brother, a man who speaks his mind, a man who's a father, and he's always on time. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jazz Wild Man. What's happening? What's happening? How is everyone? Hope everyone's well. Appreciate the opportunity, brother. Hey, man, you know, I had to give out the name that we call you. I know that's not your full name, but that's what we're going to go with today. Is that cool with you, brother? <laughs> I'm with it, man. I'm with it. You feeling all right today, man? Yeah, man, doing pretty good, man. Um, you know, had some issues working through at work with this whole COVID pandemic, kind of got everything in an uproar. Um, I lost one of my team members to, uh, yesterday to COVID. Mm. So um, it's a wealth of knowledge that I had on my team that is irreplaceable. And, um, you know, so we're trying to work through that. You know, you never want to lose anybody, of course. And, you know, just prayers out to his family. It's amazing that we don't recognize that we are each other's libraries in so many things. And that's that's a terrible situation. And yes, prayers and blessings, prayers and blessings go out to his family. Absolutely. That's, that that is that is tough, man. This this pandemic really either educated you to be better or it just made you a non-believer that nothing's there. I agree. Um, I agree on multiple levels. Um, one thing it did for me, uh, I will say this, and I say this both candidly and meaningfully, um, this separated people, in my opinion. COVID separated people. Um, this whole pandemic, um, you either you either know exactly who you are and where you're going, or you're lost. There's absolutely no in between in this, um, and I'm seeing both. Mm. I'm seeing both. I'm seeing both, and it kind of helped me determine. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I see myself. I've always one of my favorite people ever in the history of life, just by doing my reading and studies, is Harriet Tubman. Uh, you know, I'm gonna carry you with me as long as you know which way we're going. But as soon as you deviate from knowing where we're going, then I got to get rid of you, you know, and it's kind of, you know, that's where I met with it mentally. You know, I kind of carry that spirit with me and I see a lot of division when it comes to that, you know, um, people not taking things as serious. I'm not saying that, you know, just because you woke, you don't have to be, um, you know, candid sometimes, but, uh, you know, a lot of people just, you know, moving along, like, you know, nothing's happening and, I can't sit well with that. It's a lot to digest to take in. It also shows a lot of people's not versatile. And for me, when I look at it musically, when I see the music still coming out, the energy level that we're still giving off, like most of us were sitting home during COVID, but we all still got the Glock 40s loaded and ready to go and we're serving fiends and still on the corner. And I'm cool with that music, but 
I was cool with it when it was actually real. And I was yeah, cool with it when it was, now, now we're creating this new magic and now you see a lot of rappers just dying. It's, we're creating a lot of power through the tongue that's not real. And that's causing a problem for us. Man. And, that, and that's pretty much my whole point. Either we either we woke or we're not, you know. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's 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 yeah. the whole point. A lot of power um, you know, I got a question for you real quick though. Speaking of yeah. music, um, speaking of music, you know, every generation, you know, during certain time frames, you know, during the sixties, seventies, eighties, even the nineties, there was a song. Well, there were there was music, multiple songs within a generation that that connected with our people. You know, whether it's James Brown, uh, say it loud, I'm breaking I'm proud, mm -hmm. uh, or public enemy, fight the power, or uh change gonna come, Sam Cook. Listen to this music now, man. I got nothing. <laughs> there there is nothing out there that gives that rhetoric, but there are songs that speak to the escape that people wanted in the music. Because in those days, we had love and diversity, but we slowly became the distributor of drugs and we became the users. So once we became the users, now you have to look at the point as a whole in the music, we became the users of the drugs, right? So now you have to look at the anthem for the users. So in that rhetoric, there are songs that uh, represent the moment where we all became users, not us per se, but the actual streamline of the music. People became users, people became dealers. Everybody had this type of car. It became a hustler's anthem because it was open for everybody to wow. try to make music to support their family and people do whatever they have to do in order to make that change. But it also opened up a lot of other cultural positions and the way they discipline each other. And we invited that into our cultural stream. Like being gangster, we're not really gangsters, but we, we adapted into that crime wave, into that mentality. And the problem is we don't have structure. We don't have structure with that gangster way. It, it, it's fleeting. We had it and all our OGs either got locked up or they the next generation didn't want to listen we don't have the structure for any of that stuff good or bad in my opinion agreed let's get this show started what person did you meet or see that no. gave you the drive towards the man you are today who defined you my dad uh without question I was fortunate enough to, you know, grow up in a household of both my mother and my father. Um, I didn't have superheroes as a role model. You know, most kids had Spider-Man, Superman, you know, our generation, you know, He-Man, you know, but I didn't have that. I always looked to my father. My father was my superhero. He was virtually everything that I needed to see, you know. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, you know, um, how candidly can I speak? You can speak yeah. how you want to speak, sir. This is solutions. Give your solutions, and we appreciate it all. Okay, word. Um, my father was a street nigga, okay? You know, but he educated himself. You know, I was, I remember being five years old, and he'd take a night class at a local tech school, 
uh, for management, and he ended up landing a role at Clemson University um, as a uh, general manager over Aramark, which is the food service, basically. And that fed my family for a very long time. So I kind of saw the progression from, you know, just kind of hustling his way through to uh, corporate America. And he took that street mentality that he's always had to the corporate world. And, um, you know, I've been able to, you know, navigate pretty much the same way. So my dad was, my dad's my driving force. It's a fire inside of us that runs very deeply. Some of us use what our tools are to not fit into other cultural formats. But we have to remember the game was never made for us. So for your dad to understand that and to move to the next level and adapt, adapt paperwork, adapt to structure and the things that they have in place and still thrive instead of surviving. That is a great story all in its own. I can also relate to my father being very uh, into the streets and taking that same energy and structure and putting routine to his work for the results that he has. One of, one, one, one of the big things a real good street dude that people understand is that their routine, would, which, which makes them successful, the repetitive routine that they have every day to do what they have to do every single day to make sure they bring in this type of money. Now, what you do with your money, just like with any other circumstance defines who you are because money is just a tool but the routine and the hard work and the amount of hours that were put in, especially back then, just to solidify who you were is also something that you can really look at the energy and the power that you designed yourself to be behind. And I respect it. Do you have a vision board? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I kind of I update it periodically. You know, it's not just a board that I use, though. Um, things that I look at regularly, whether it's my laptop, my desktop, or even my cell phone. I keep little things on those, like on my home screen. Um, there's a house that um, I'm currently a homeowner. I own a couple of properties, but there's a house that I, I want to be my end-all, be-all house, my lay-it-down house, my end-game house is what I call it. <laughs> lay-it-down um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, You know, the, the one where once you get there, you know, it's a wrap pretty much. You know, you're just going to chill there until the you know, it's your time to go on to the other round. Um, I'm a, you know, I've I, I got that on my home screen. Uh, for my, my cell phone, you know, there's a, a vehicle that I admire, you know, that I keep on my laptop, you know, and there's certain certain things that I want to accomplish that I got on my um, my pin board, basically. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I do have I have multiple things that I would utilize as a vision board. Well, let's dive into that for a second. Talk to me about visual visualization. Talk to me about willing things to existence, because it seems that you have this picture on your phone and on your pin board do you believe in willing things or energies or uh you know, talking to the universe about what you want yeah man energy is you know newton's law we learned that in science most people don't even pay attention to it but we learned it in elementary school neither energy is neither created nor destroyed just transferred from one entity to the next um so i'm just trying to i mean the universe is full of it and it, whatever my mind focused on that's what energy i'm getting 
So I got to be able to visualize and see exactly what I want and what I want to get to. Um, so if I don't visualize it or see it, then I'm basically shooting myself short. I'm, you know, I'm shooting myself short. So that's on me. You know, you got, you know, one thing that um, you know, over time you'll learn that whatever you focus on, if you focus on the negative, and interestingly enough, um, you know, I was talking to, we were doing a thing back in the hood with, uh, you know, a voters registration drive back in September just to make sure that we got our people registered to vote. And, you know, one of the fathers, one of my friends' dad uh, came to me and he and I had a conversation and, um, you know, I had to apologize to him because I bought into the stigma of black fathers don't exist because that's what I allowed my, my mind to think because I heard it and I allowed my mind to think that. You know, even I had my own father, but you know, even my friends had their dads, you know, but I, that's just what I focused on. So I allowed my mind to go there, you know, uh, black men, this, that, and other black fathers don't exist, but really in actuality, they were right there. I just chose to focus on the negative. So, you know, with that being said, like your mind pretty much programmed to whatever you focus on. So if you focus on things you're constantly seeing, then there you go. And it's, that's kind of the, um, the same concept for some of our, our youth that's, you know, that's in the hood system. It's, they're, they're stuck in, you know, they're stuck in the, you know, the projects or whatnot. Now, how they're growing up there, they, they, that's what they see. They see that negativity. So that's what they, um, that's what we, you know, we grow up in. That's what we, that's all we know. That's all we see every day. And, you know, it's all about what you program your mind to. If you want, if you will it, if you speak it, you talk it, you walk it, you act like it, act like it's already there. You talk like it's already there. And it's, I mean, it's show up for you like it's, you know, like, like it's nothing. But how early, how early did you start? How early did you recognize the universe was talking? Talk to me about how you recognized it and when you recognized it. Um, that's, that's tricky, man. Like. I mean, we all see, we all see it early in life, but we don't know what we see. We don't really understand it. You know, sometimes you, you, you read things, you just don't understand it, man. You know, uh, I, it was a, a Vietnam vet, man. He was a, he was a fiend in our hood, smart guy, extremely smart. But of course, you know, being a, a, a Vietnam vet, he got strung out on drugs while he was over there and just came back different. And he gave me this book back in my early 20s called Behold a Pale Horse. And he was like, I was like, why are you giving me this? Like, you ain't like the rest of these niggas out here. Um, you need to read this. Mm. And when I picked it up, I'm like, eh, it was too much for me at the time. Like I couldn't grasp it. Like I wasn't mentally there, but I held on to it. And as time progressed, like you start, I start okay, I, I get it now. I pick up on some of the stuff that it's saying in there. I can, I can, I could relate to it. I guess uh, time and experience kind of give you the tools that you need to be able to understand certain things. Like you can give, you can give somebody a million dollars that has never had any money before. That doesn't mean they're gonna understand what to do with it. But you give somebody who had a little bit of experience with losing something or, you know, or even working for something, they don't know exactly what to do. Um, so that's pretty much how, so we, we all had experiences early. We just didn't understand what that was. Um, so I would say by the time I start recognizing it, man, I was in my in my late twenties, man, early thirties. Like it's about thirty years old when I start seeing different signs or recognizing different things or even certain energies. Um, you know, people start walking into a room and you start understanding like what their presence is. Like ah, man, this you know how you feel a certain way when somebody comes around. 
you know, whether it be a good, be a bad, you know, like you start to understand what those things are, you know. Um, so it's not, it's not, you see it early, but I didn't start recognizing it until about my 30s, man. Behold the Pale Horse. That's a book I keep hearing about that I actually have never read, but I know the premise behind it. And I, and for what I'm told that it, it kind of predated everything that is going on today. Like the author himself was, was uh, assassinated because of yeah. his teachings in this book. Back when the assassination, Milton Cooper. Yeah, back when assassinations actually were a thing for people. Now we're kind of demoral, desensitized to it. But now, back then, it was a big deal. You say that you started to separate yourself and started noticing energies and building yourself up. Tell me, what did you sacrifice for those goals to know these things? Everything, man. Uh, people, time even family man um everything everything like it's a that's a tough that's one thing a lot of us don't talk about is what we sacrifice to kind of be what we want to be um you know there's a saying that behind every great man is a great woman you know and depending on who our mate is determines the outcome of our future basically you know i um once i started uh on a journey of self-discovery also on being being in a place of where i wanted to be where i saw my future going you know i would share those things with uh with my then spouse it was like it, those energies didn't match up you know on paper everything looked good but once you start trying to produce you know brings to life or uh, birth certain things and it didn't really work out that way and it's something that uh you know and to be in a position of where i can make moves now like my my marriage suffered unfortunately and that just is what it is you know but um you know that's not saying anything bad about who my spouse was at the time because i don't think she's a bad person at all it's just that um you know at the end of the day our visions didn't really correlate for what i see you know Oh, and you know, my dad always told me, uh, you know, shoot for the moon. If you come up short, you still, you still in the stars, you know, and you still in a whole nother stratosphere where most people ain't gonna reach. You not have that mentality. A lot of people are, they get into a comfort zone in their wheelhouse and they like to stay there. That's not me. I've never been that person. You know, I've never been the type to just settle and that's okay. Um, you know, you're gonna, when you have, once you develop a, a sense and the universe is going to tell you, the universe is going to tell you, like, you're going to know exactly what your purpose is in life, you know, and once you understand that purpose, there's no wavering from that, regardless of who's there, who's in your life at the moment, you're going to like, you can't go against that's a, That's almost like going against God. You can't fight God. This is not going to happen. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. Um, this is what I have for you, my child. This is what I need for you to do X, Y, Z. Um, you're going to need to do these things. And, and um, you know, some things, some people, even some of your family, they're not going to understand. They're not going to know. Uh, you know, one of my missions in life is to help, you know, to, to start the process of building generational wealth. A lot of us are leaving the earth for with, you know, our parents are leaving the earth with this us, things for us to have to continue to do. We're not inheriting a lot with our people like we're just not 
And that's something that's kind of been, you know, of course, a lot of it is systemic, but some of it is basically our own fault, you know, just due to lack of education or ignorance or refusal to grow. And just in being that person, you know, I butt heads. I, I caught myself butting heads with family sometimes because they don't understand what I'm trying to do. And that's fine. You don't have to understand that. But this is what I'm going to do. Either you, you know, you either you're on board or you're not. Well, either talk, you're going to, talk to me about that. Can you give us a how and then give us a why and then give us like an example of how did you get past the emotions of having to say, you know what, I can't stay with you here. I got somewhere to be. Um, it's it's difficult, man. It is it is difficult because again, as you know, especially when you have a you know you have your own family with that person, it's difficult. It's difficult as heck, um, you know, because at the end of the day, I still have a ton of love there. But in order for me to blossom into who I need to be, I have to. I got to do this. And, you know, it's the emotions of it all, man. You know, emotions will really want to make you stay. But that burning desire, like, man, like it's what, you know, either you're going to be miserable because, you you know, it's things that you want to do that you can't, or, you know, it's, it's a catch-22. It's a double-edged sword. You know, either you be miserable and stay, or be miserable and leave because none of it is the best case scenario truthfully like well, it sucks well you just spoke of uh if you give a man a million dollars and he's never had money before he doesn't know the pitfalls but you give a man a million dollars who's already lost something he'll know what to do with his money talk to me about when some when you're someone's preparation but not their destination in a relationship uh we got to be careful of who we attach ourselves to there's a difference in between a cover and a lid. Mm. A cover keeps us safe when we need to be. A lid keeps us where we are. So once you once you lose something that you yearned for, and it is no longer it's it's, it's no longer longer there um you still have a respect for it you have a respect for it because it's still like i said it's always a part of you you have a respect for it you reflect on it and you recognize it for what it was you know and truthfully i can't say that i would have been able to find this individual without being there in that place you know but once it you know once it happens again you know i know what to look for i know what signs that i need to see i know um, I know what a certain person needs to possess. I know um, I don't really need, you know, some, a lot of people say, I'm not really looking for love. I need, I'm looking for teammates. You know, that's at the end of the day, that's what it's about is teammates. You know, there would never, I don't care what nobody say, Michael Joel would not have won championships without Scottie Pippen. No question. No question. Teammates make that thing function. At the end of the day, you're looking for another corporation to merge your business with so y'all can grow and get a bigger IPO. <laughs> let's go. Let, let's do it, man. Let's do it, man. And, you know, and that's, a lot of times that can, that's a difficult thing. It's not an easy process. It's not an easy process. But, you know, it's necessary in some cases. And, again, like I said, no love lost. You know, that's, and I see relationships as business. 
you know i do because that's exactly what they are i mean once you get married you that is a business entity that is a corporation, a corporation. And, and and unfortunately businesses fail every day and that's just a part of the process and you what what did i learn what what did i and you just take what i've i take what i've learned from that particular business venture and build upon the next it's interesting that we gave that type of analogy i'm gonna shift it over a little bit i've once watched dr miles monroe a, uh, a preacher that passed some years back but he has some great information out there for for men he spoke of Adam and Eve in the garden and he spoke of before Eve came the first thing that God gave Adam was work and he has an entire analogy saying work comes before a woman how do you feel about that that's true um because in order to properly take care of women, you have to have the know-how to work. And if you don't have that, you ain't gonna be able to take care of a woman because being with a woman is actually work. So it's kind of hand to hand. <laughs> it is work. <laughs> Talk to me about your lowest moment. Let's dive a little deep here. Your lowest moment, but not only talk to me about it. Let me know how you got up for the people out there who might be dealing with whatever you're about to say right now. Um, I've had two. I've had two. Uh, first one took place in 2002. I was 20 years old, man. Junior year in college. We were at South Carolina State. Uh, you know, it's where it, it was exactly where you and I met, college. Uh you know, as I've stated, my father was the street cat. You know, he was a, <laughs> to say the least, I mean, he was a corporate cat in the day, you know, making deals with, you know, NFL, you know, NFL executives, you know, and candy bar executives between Eminem, Mars, Skid, you know, and uh, Coca-Cola, uh, you know, the Carolina Panthers, all that, you know, and at the end of the day, he's selling the brick. You know, that's just how, that's how I came up. That's how I grew up, you know. So I've saw, you know, I've saw every side of the world that I could possibly see, you know, from, you know, dope things to suit and ties every day. Like I've seen it. And, you know, it came to a point to where, you know, once I got to college, some of that stuff just kind of fell into my lap. Um, you know, I had, I, you know, I got, I had an opportunity where I don't even want to say it's an opportunity, but, you know, if you're giving, if you're giving uh, pounds of weed for dirt cheap, what you gonna do with it? <laughs> I mean, I saw myself with a business opportunity, but unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, in April of 2002, um, through a confidential informant, who you and I both know, but I won't speak to say no names, we'll just leave it as is. It's water under the bridge at this point. Uh, through a confidential informant, I was arrested for, you know, I was arresting for manufacturing uh, and possession and distribution of, you know, controlled substance on a college campus. Uh, you know, that is a felony. So to this very day, I am a convicted felon. And I was a, you know, that was my low point 
at that point in time because you know you know how we say certain things <laughs> that was one of the moments in where I learned to listen to the universe because when it, when that deal happened with that confidential informant every fiber in my being was telling me don't do it don't do it don't do it walk away now but I went ahead with the transaction anyway and um yeah um the reason why that was my low point is because I lost myself there and I had to regain exactly who I was I had to remember I had to find who I was I went to a spiral of depression because a lot of people didn't know what I was doing nobody had a clue I kind of was low-key with it like I was extremely low-key nobody knew but uh, then the next day I went from a low-key and you know I had good grades man I'm you know a B student you know class every day I ain't miss a class and then next thing you know I'm over every newspaper in Orangeburg I'm all over the news like it's you know my face is everywhere in a negative way and I see that as, as my low point because you know I not only did I lose who I was but I you know, I, I made a disgrace to my family name, you know, so, so much high expectations for me. And I let my people down. I let my ancestors down in that moment. And that's a heavy load to carry when you know better, but you chose to do otherwise, you know, and people start coming at me different. People that I thought were my friends turn their back on me and people that I never talked to a day in my life, all of a sudden want to be friends. So now I'm having to learn how to balance that and figure you got who's who and what's what and relearn life again because it was all different. It was all different. Um, hey, let so, me you stop know. you right there. Let's dive a little deep into that situation right there. See, for me, when I hear what you're saying and in retrospect for myself, sometimes we don't know that our lifestyle is not normal. If that makes sense. Sometimes we don't know that carrying a gun everywhere you go is not normal. Sometimes we don't know that drive-bys, people being shot from your neighborhood is not normal until, until you reach another place of an environment that shows you something different. So at that time, I want to say you were just operating out of normality. And I think well, what, hit yeah. you, what hit you was the conflict between you saw this might not be normal this might be i'm living in I'm, I'm living in this normal society with my grades and going to school and you start experiencing other energies other people who didn't even think how you thought and i think that's the biggest thing about college like i don't want to dive in too much i want you to please continue but my mentality when i got to college was i'm a loner i'm a rebel I'm from new york in New York, people don't talk to people, you know, just where we were at that moment. But I had to grow. I had to get out of that every dark alley is somebody waiting for me, so let me be ready with my stuff. You know, you had to get out of that because the truth is, yeah. in every dark alley, sometimes nobody's there. And, <laughs> you know, it's, but the, but the, you know, just the paranoia of it, the, the training you have as a child, and, and what you see, what you think is normal outside of what the full census of how the world is really run in the world that you're in, you're, you're graduating to, is uh, 
interesting. Now, please continue. I just wanted to say that if people turn their back on you and you had new friends you couldn't really trust because at this time, you don't know if they're sending more people at you to bring you down even further now that you have a target on your back. Yeah, man. So speak to me on how, yeah. how you maneuvered through that for someone who might be dealing with that same situation because we've seen a lot in college, right? We've seen oh man, we've seen we've seen our, our classmates be murdered. We've seen yep. brawls. And, and no disrespect to our school, our school was amazing. The structure of our school was amazing. It was just some of the people have yet to see a different normalization, and it took a while for us to understand the privilege in which we walked in. And some of us had to really okay. hit the pavement in order for us to really look up and see that we could be stars. Wow. Word. Um what um what that did for me is um I truthfully man like I was in I was depressed for a minute, man. Like I was depressed for a minute because I didn't like I couldn't I lost my sense of being. I lost my like I said, I lost myself. Like dang, like who am I? Like now I know now I know what the world is label labeling me as, you know. Now mind you, you know, I'm going from HBCU, you know um at south carolina state and i had to come back home you know um i had to wear that failure moniker for a minute i i, I gave myself that nobody gave that to me i gave myself that so that was really on me and i really had to and that's that was me focusing on the negative side um not realizing the positive in that while my charges were still pending you know that was april of 2002 um you know, while my charges were still pending, I, in that August, I enrolled in the Clemson University. So, you know, I went from HBCU to a PWI, predominantly white institute. And uh, I remember standing in front of the judge in Orangeburg County. And he's got my transcript from both South Carolina State. And this was December at this point. This was December, you know, from August, you know, April when I got, uh, when I was charged and I'm standing in front of the judge December that same year. And uh, he has my transcript. He got my work log because I had a little job on campus at the local grocery store. You know, I'm still jugging, of course, because I got to pay these legal fees now. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm moving a little cautiously. But I remember standing in front of that cracker ass judge and I say that, that I mean what I say when I say that. He looked me dead in my face. How does somebody like you get into Clemson University? I'm like, damn. He finna throw the book at me. Mm. And I'm like, wow. Like, this is my first charge. I've never been caught doing anything. I didn't even have a speeding ticket at this point. You know? And for him to say that to me, he already had me pegged. He had me viewed. And this is what really woke me up. That woke me up. Because that was a huge hit to say like, damn, how did somebody like you get into Clemson? Now, you know, I don't, I'm clean cut. No, no Afro, no dress, no gold teeth. If you didn't know what I was doing, you never would have known I was selling drugs. You would have had no clue. Mm -hmm. You, I'm Carlton on campus, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. you never would have knew. I had the perfect cover, but that cracker saw me as something different. And there's a difference between crackers and white people. And I, and that was a cracker. And for him to say that to me, it, it did something to me in, in, in two different ways. It, it, um, 
it kind of hurt my pride, but at the same time, it made me be like, damn, that's really how they see us. And from there, man, like at that moment, that really, and I, I really believe it was him. It was that that dude, that day, standing in front of that judge that kind of gave me a new life. Like, I'm finna, not only am I finna beat this, but I'm about to, I'm about to turn this whole thing around. And, you know, and, and it was an energy. I just kind of woke up one day with that energy. You know, I woke up one day. It was something, it went, I went from depressed to, all right, game on, let's get this shit going. So, and I can't say that it was all me. It wasn't something that I did. It was just that, you know, the universe is talking to me now and it's telling me, get your ass up. We got things to do. We can't just sit here. And we got a lot of ground to make up because of yo, because you stepped in this shit. We got a lot of ground to make up now. So get to work. And that's pretty much what happened. How important is it to leave where you're from and rebranding yourself? It is very important. Uh, it's very important because I graduated. It took me a long time to graduate. You know, I was supposed to graduate in, you know, I was supposed to actually graduate college in 03, but I didn't graduate until 06. So it took me a little bit longer to get my, uh, to get my undergrad and which is okay. And just, you know, because I was still, you know, <laughs> still one foot in the hood and one foot in school, still doing that just you know i gotta make up for lost time i gotta i gotta i gotta be smart with it this time i can't you know i got my eyes gotta be open um once i graduated i was gone because i gave myself you know all right i'm gonna be finished in december of 06 so January of 06, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that game shit. Now I got the game plan on what this, this is gonna look like, and that's pretty much, you know, and that's pretty much how it happened. But that's difficult when you're still in your environment, and you still got your everyday homeboys that's still into that that lifestyle, even though you're trying to do something different. Um, you know, it's easy to be a product of your environment at that point, but it's up to you really. I mean, you don't necessarily have to leave to rebrand yourself. It's up to you. It's up to every individual. You know, even though I was in that lifestyle still there, I had my mind made up on what I was going to do. Like, I'm going to get my degree in this and this is what I'm going to do. And that's what I'm going to do. You know, if you don't have weak will individuals are the ones that need to leave to kind of find themselves to not be influenced by others. Those are the ones who really need to leave. But for me, um, once I graduated, I did leave. And I didn't move anywhere but 45 minutes out of the, you know, out of the way. You know, I went from, you know, those of who are some familiar with South Carolina, I moved to Greenville, you know, 45 minutes, 85 North. Uh, Greenville, South Carolina is per capita the largest county in the state. Um, predominantly white, of course. Upstate is predominantly white area. Uh, but, you know, and I got into... Imagine that though, you know, not only am I a convicted felon, uh, I'm also in that, but I'm a, I'm a banker now. I got my first job in a bank, you know, I'm a, I'm a banker now. Like, have you, when have you heard of a felon being handling other people's money, basically working for the feds? You're working for the feds in the bank. It's a federal institution, okay? You gotta go through fingerprint process, all that. How I got that, I have no clue, but it happened, okay? And, you know, I guess this universe working in my favor, kind of setting me up to where I needed to be. Um, 
you know, just moving out of my environment, again, only 45 minutes away, put me around people to open my eyes to different things, to kind of, you know, because this is my first time making money, like, you know, legit money. You can't, you know, most times I'm making money just to pay legal fees and probation fees and all that crap, you know? Um, now we're, we're talking big bucks, you know, I'm counting hundreds of thousands of dollars every day. Now it's getting, putting me in a different mind frame that, you know, did I touch money in the streets? Yes, but nowhere close to, you know, I'm now my position in the bank, I'm responsible for every single dollar here. That was my job. My job was to be responsible for this cash in here. Okay. And I ain't have enough money to, to break a bank. I didn't have that. It's so interesting that the energy was still the same. The attraction to the money was the same, but it was just on a different side of structure. And I think a lot of people don't get jobs because they just don't think they should apply because of their history. And I take my hat off to you because you said, no, I'm going to apply and I'm going to keep applying until somebody, until it sticks. And I think a lot, I think the first step is getting out and doing things. And a lot of people just psych themselves out. Their mindset says, no, this is not for me because I, cause I failed at this. No, this is perfect for you because you lived your whole life in this. You understand Word. the structure. You understand how severe, you know, this, all this money ain't here. It's going to be a problem. Now it doesn't have the same street ramifications, but for some people, on that side, a legitimate side, that has the same ramification because if they lose their livelihood, what are they gonna do? It's a slow burn. Exactly. Versus versus it's the streets slow, being might, the streets might be immediate, but it's a slow burn on the legit side, which hurts even more because you start to see yourself die a little bit every day versus the alternative of the streets, which could be any outcome. Someone around you. Yeah, or, man. Talk to me yeah, about fatherhood man. and mentorship. Your personal story, um, what you learned from it so far. And I don't want the little cute fatherhood stories. I want the I want the fatherhood stories where you look at your kid like, what are you doing? Like the frustration, the frustration moments, like, oh, did, did I act like this? Where am I going? What are you doing? How do you deal with that? Man, any parent who ever said, like I tell my son, I tell my son about eight times a day, but I would knock your teeth out. Like I say that, <laughs> and it's—I mean, it's no blueprint for this, man. Like I was able to, you know, my father and I—we had a bond, man. We—we we were able to talk our shit out. We as I got as I got older, um, you know, he passed away in 2015. You know, our relationship withered, but we were able to get back. And that was probably the best thing I've ever done because I learned something from him. And, you know, it's certain things that I missed from him. I, my dad did certain things for me to show me he loved me, but he never said it. He never said, I love you. And I was the kid who needed that. He never gave me a hug. I was the kid who needed that, you know? Um, but he, But I never went without. I was always with him. I was always present. Anytime he went on a business trip, I was there, you know, regularly. He did things to show me that he loved me, but he never said it. And he never like affectionately showed it. Um, but that's something that he got from his father. Like I was just, you know, his father was never there. His father wasn't shit. You know, my granddaddy was an ain't shit nigga. That's just pretty much how it is. He just mm -hmm. wasn't. So 
you know, he was like, well, and after I got older, my dad and I talked about it. He was like, well, I didn't understand you needed that. I was just trying to do for you what my dad didn't do for me. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. You didn't really know. So what I, I just take some, a piece of that and, you know, I try to build up on that. The things that I really didn't get from my father, you know, and the things that I did get from my father, I'll try to apply to both of my children. You know, I make sure every day I tell them I love them. You know, even though me and their mom are not together, I see my children every day. All right, we talk regularly, you know, we, I'm, I'm present, ever present. You know, they, you know, they're, they're not here with me right now at this very moment, but they'll be here first thing in the morning. It's kind of like how it goes, um, you know, so it's no blueprint for this, man. You just, just be present, um, give them nuggets as they come. And a lot of us, man, when it comes to our children, we try to, <laughs> we try to shelter them from hurt and harm, but really I think that's doing I think that's doing them an injustice because once the world, the world going to show them, it's going to show them in a rude way. And, you know, so we try to expose them to certain things gradually to show them what's up. Um, and anybody that ever tell you, you know, any parent, you know, you're a parent. Every, every now and again, you have them, like, man, fuck them kids. Like, you really, <laughs> you, you have the moments. <laughs> it's like you love your kid, but there's a moment you're not going to like them at the moment. And you yeah, put man. yourself in because they're not adults, they're not your equal, but their energy is the same because they, they, they feel they can disrespect you so much. And it's like, other adults don't even disrespect me like this. And you're like, you just don't know. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, you good, you good. I have to hone myself back in. Talk, talk to me about a gem that you give your kid. Give me a gem. Give me something that you passed on that was a gem. We do a mantra every single day. And we do it three times in that one setting. Like we do it every, every day, whether it's in the morning or in the evening. Um, you know, I am, you know, and I have a, I have a son and a daughter and both of them say it, they say it in their own way. Um, you know, I started with my son when he was, you know, before he could talk, I would say it to him in his ear. And then once he started talking, he started saying it on his own. You know, I am a king. I will be great. I can do all things because God lives in me. You know, I want them to have the mentality that it's nothing that they cannot do you know like because of you know especially my son being a black man he's gonna he's already born into limitations based on the world and that's not a mentality i ever want him to have i want him to reach in that back pocket because he says that mantra every single day three times a day um i'm a king you know just have that mentality you know and somebody tells him he can't do something because somebody's gonna tell him it won't come from me but somebody in this world is gonna tell him you can't do that and I can do all things. What do you mean? I can do all things. God lives in me. I, I will be great. I, I love that. You know, and a lot of people do not realize, in my opinion, that God is in you. Like, God, the God you seek is in you. And if I can break that down any further, I think blessings come from people. And, and, having that yep. mindset that blessings come from people people you don't know sometimes things are just set up 
and you walk straight into a blessing. Sometimes it comes from people you know, but the God that you need to build and work on is the God in you. And you have to challenge yourself and make yourself uncomfortable to build yourself up. It's, it's, you got to shed the cocoon even more, even further. That's why when we see people do extraordinary things, we can't understand it. And they say impossible takes a week for them. They speak these things because they're activating yeah. the God, the universe in them that we all can ascend to. But a lot of us don't want to make the sacrifices of that. Of that. Yeah. Yeah. And my daughter, I have my daughter say the same thing. But instead of I am a king, I am a queen. That would be great. I could do all things that God lives in me. You know, um, you know, I'm teaching them independence to not really have to rely on anyone, but accept help when it's available. You know, um, yeah, it's it's a balance, man, because again, ain't no blueprint for this. It's just kind of you learn as we go, man. Well, you speak of a there's no blueprint, but let, let me ask you this question. Should there be a basic training program for young black men in communities? And what I mean by that is skill traits. For example, how to change a tire, uh, balancing your finances, uh, you know, different things about health. Should there be a basic teaching when they get to the fourth, fifth or sixth grade where community now, we now understand this is the basic level of education of being a black man in this world and also the community building up houses and families next to them no one should not know how to read we all have should have read at least this one book so we can all communicate and have a, a basic level of understanding i'm gonna probably catch a lot of flack for this one but that's in my opinion that's on the parents hands down that's on the parents man like if your mother and your father are not teaching you, or if you're not, if, if you're an adult, if you're able to have children and you're not teaching your children those basic things, both male, men and women, then you shouldn't procreate. You're not mentally capable of procreating and bringing another life into this world if you're not teaching your ch children about finances or teaching, as a man, teaching your children how to, um, you know, change a tire. Like the other day, yeah, it's, it's cold outside now here in South Carolina. And, you know, my tire pressure going low. So, I right, so, you know, son, come on, let's go. Um, let's, come on, uh, stop at the tire pump and feel this, you know, I'm going to show you what to read the minute. This is how we do this. You find the PSI on the side of the tire. This is how much air we need to put in this. This is how you measure it. That type of stuff. Parents need to be doing that, you know. And sometimes, unfortunately, parents are not available. So, as community, community got to step up and do the same thing. But for at the end of the day, it's all parents. They all got to be on parents. And if you're not teaching your children those basic things, then you shouldn't procreate. Simple as that. And I, I, I feel strongly on that. So I respect your opinion. Let, let's dive into what your opinion is saying. So should there be something that we teach parents? Because there's so many nuances out there that invade our society. You know, whether it's drugs, whether it's working somebody two or three jobs, so they can't be home with their kids, whether it's uh, just a violent community. Sometimes parents don't have the knowledge that's passed on through generations to even know how to have financial stability or understand what the sacrifices are. Now, should we be training parents instead of children? Catch them early. I mean, if you're training anyone, train your children. Parents have the wherewithal to learn whatever they want to learn 
adults have the mental capacity if you want to know something you're going to find out you know most they, you you want to if you want to know uh you know who who's doing who or keeping up with the kardashian crap you go if you want to know something you're going to find out simple as that that's an adult trait i don't really want to waste my time with grown people because if you want to learn if you want to know something there's a million and nine ways to find it at this day and age um you know now if somebody come to me asking me it's a different story you know this is my one of my favorite parables in the bible is the parable of the sower and this is something i learned while working in the bank this is why it's important to leave your hood basically it all translates is to leave your hood to be around other environments to pick up certain things you know uh, one of my jobs was to teach financial literacy to, uh, you know, to uh, the community. You know, we would rent out hotel conference rooms and just do the basics with financial literacy, the basics, you know, ground zero stuff, you know, ba- you know how to balance your budget type stuff, ground zero. And I would get so frustrated because, you know, it's... <laughs> And give you an example, man. I give you, I give you two. One of my clients will go to CIAA weekend and you know get paid that Friday. By the time he come back, he ain't got a dime and ain't paid his rent. And now he got to pull his account into the negative, you know, just to pay rent, you know. And wow, who boy balled out up this year? I'm like. Really? You call that balling out? No, I call that you were stupid. <laughs> like, but you know, that's the you know, I would be frustrated with that type of stuff. Now you owe the bank money. You paying the bank money to borrow money from the bank. Like, come on, man. You just had a you just had two thousand dollars in your bank account. What what? Then I had in one of the one of the most egregious situations I've ever seen in my life, man. And then um there was an individual you said egregious. Ooh. I know it's got to be bad. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it's, it's bad, man. This cat, uh, him and some of his buddies made a song and they sold the rights to it. Each one of them got 60 grand a piece. Okay. No, I take that back. They got 80 grand a piece. Excuse me. They got 80 grand a piece for the rights to that song that they made. And, um, he would come into the bank every day. We're drawing this, we're drawing that, we're drawing this, we're drawing that. This joker spent $150 in a Waffle House. I don't know how you spend $150 in a Waffle House. I ain't never spent $30 in a Waffle House with people. So <laughs> I'm trying to like, you know, that type of stuff. You know, it was so bad to where, and I probably shouldn't say this, but it's, you know, it is what it is now. It was so bad to where me, uh, me and my uh, district manager and everybody within our branch was taking bets <laughs> on how quick he was going to go broke. <laughs> okay. This joker blew 80 grand in less than 30 days. We all lost. Nobody was even close to 30 days. 80 grand in 30 days. And he would tell us, like, well, I know I ain't going to get this much money no more. And he blew it. And nothing to show for it. No car. No house, no nothing. Shoes and Waffle House. That's it. And I would get so frustrated with that type of mentality within our community because it was our people just doing this crap. And I got a nugget one day, um, Matthew 23. 
the parable of the sower. Uh, some seed fall on thorny grounds. You know, some seed fall on stony grounds and scorched by the sun. Some seeds fall on the ground, but it's devoured by a bird. But other seeds fall on fertile soil and produce tens, fifties, hundreds over, you know? That's and what I picked up from that was out of you know, it gave four different scenarios, and out of those four, only one scenario actually produced something. So what I picked up from that was based on I'm talking to a hundred people about financial literacy only one quarter of the hundred is going to be able to receive the information i'm picking putting down that's that's what i got from that whole parable and i still carry that with me to this day like even with you know teaching even you know my children they only gonna pick up a quarter of what i'm teaching them right now you know um but adults i really don't want to waste my time with teaching adults because like i said you got Apple, if you want to know something, you got ways to know it. And I think that's wasting our energy and we should put our energy in better serving places. Um, you know, if they want, if you want to know something and you know that I know, ask. If you, you know, that the whole thing of closed mouth don't get fed, that's real. So. Yeah. A few more questions, man, and I'm gonna let you go about your day. How do I approach a man I have problems with? depends on the problem i mean every season that it depends on the problem every situation is different um do you have the problem with the individual or does the individual have a problem with you so i mean i guess you got to get the root to the problem i mean before you can't really you know no situation is going to be the same it's more going to be you know get to the uh, get to the bottom of the the issue mm-hmm you know, uh, what type of relationship do you have with this person? Is this a person that you see on a regular basis or just a person that you know that you might just see in passing and it don't really mean anything? You know, so uh, every scenario is different. If it's a friend of mine that I got a problem with, you know, or, you know, that, that you know, I have a situation with, then, you know, I'm going to approach it as that. Like, yo, you know what I mean? X, Y, Z. You know, and either, you know, there's one or two things going to happen. Either we, you know, work it out or we don't. Right. Absolutely. We talk about leaving a legacy, but we mostly ignore major steps. Do you have a will? I do. But that's not enough. A will is not enough. A will gets you nothing. If you was to pass away right now without a trust, a will, into a living trust, yeah, you, you know, a will is nothing, basically. Well, will is a formality. Educate us on trust, brother. Well, a trust basically designates everything, you know, why it designates who gets what and where it goes. You know, like right now, if I was to leave this earth, you know, my children would be square for the rest of their life. You know, depending on what they'll do with the finances, of course. Mm-hmm. But, you know, based on what we've taught them and their mother, their mother's extremely intelligent, you know, so, you know, she would guide them in the right direction, you know. But um, you have to set up a trust, a living trust, basically. Um, matter of fact, I thought I had mine right here, actually, because I mailed it to, um, I have my trust, I have, I mailed it to uh, 
people who are, I'm closest to in life. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, simple things. Like if I were to be in a vegetative state right now, leave me on there for seven days, no more. After that seven days, pull me off. That's it. And is, you know, my, my mother has, you know, control over that as well as if my mother's not available and I got another person designated for that too. You know, like even my bank accounts, my bank accounts have X, Y, Z all the way down to the T. Uh, my businesses, X, Y, Z all the way down to the T. Mm -hmm. You know, basically your living trust designates everything to where it should go and how it should get there. You know, and if, you're, if you have children who aren't old enough or 18 to be able to um, make those decisions, then you designate a person to be over that trust for them until that time frame and nothing should be removed. You designate the principal. You tell them exactly what you want within the trust. Um, lawyers can help you do that. You know, if you're working in corporate America, nine times out of 10, they're going to pay for that for you. They don't tell you that most cases, um, but most companies have programs set up to where they pay for those type of things for you. Wow, that's a lot of good information. That is a gem right there, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it. You need a will and trust and look for your job if you have a corporate job to pay for it for you and put those things in place. You said something interesting to me. You said if you're in a vegetate, vegetative state, those are one of the things that's on the list. Can you give us a few things off that list that we should be writing down in terms of like a skeleton that we should have in our top three? Um, it's all based on who you are as an individual on, on the tiny things you got set up. You know, my top three is, you know, I think about that because at any moment we could become incapacitated, you know, like anything can happen. You know, if, if I were to fall ill or be in some type of an accident, you know, I don't want to, I don't want insurance to eat me up. I don't want insurance. I don't want to be on no life support forever. Just on the hope and a prayer that I come back. I designate those terms seven days. That's it. I want my family to be able to use their insurance money for whatever they need to use it for, as opposed to keeping my vegetated ass alive. You know, um, that's important to me. Um, I don't want to be, you know, cremate me. Don't spend $10,000 on a casket for me. I ain't doing nothing with it. I don't care what it is. That don't do me no good. I'm here. My spirit is in another realm. My body is a vessel anyway. Cremate me, spread me in a particular place that's special between whomever spread my ashes. And use that $10,000 for something more beneficial to put towards whatever. You know, don't throw my money in the, don't throw money in the ground for me. Don't do that. You know, just tell you, basically write out certain things to tell your money exactly where to go. You know, I have a hefty life insurance policy. So I have it set up to where uh, even within that trust with my life insurance policy, uh, you know, split it between my children. You know, of course, but here's what the, here are the parameters. It's not necessary that they have to go to school or graduate college because by the time they get to college, who knows what it's going to look like. You know, um, you know, a college degree at this point is, you know, it's almost a high school diploma and it's almost, you know, to learn something, learn something. It doesn't necessarily have to be a four year degree, but go learn something. You know, once you learn that thing, then use some of that money to start your own thing. Do what you need to do for yourself. 
you know, like just lay those things out. Lay those things out within your trust. Um, what else is there uh, that I have in there? That's why I try to find it so I could really go through it in detail. But, uh, you know, those are the main things that I have right now. Even, yes. you know, in uh, those of you with jobs, most of your jobs provide you with life insurance. You know, they provide you with some sort of life insurance. That, you know, that money, you know, if you already have a outside policy, please, 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 please have an outside policy other than your job. You know, because they can can you today, you ain't got no life insurance, and die the next day, then you really out. You know, then your family got to go fund me to raise money to bury you. And that's not how it should go. We should be leaving something for our people. Spend $40 a month for life insurance. Um, but, uh, you know, because I have two different policies, one with my job and one, you know, that plays me that my job will pay out two times my salary. So, you know, I actually have that set up for, you know, not my children are square. I got my children square with my own, with my personal policy. That's for uh, people in my life that I actually love, like my brother. You know, my brother would be able to, you know, reap the benefits of my life insurance policy from my job. It's not as much as, you know, my personal policy, but it, who cares? You know, he, he, he gets something. Yeah, you know, um, lay out the terms on how you want to, on what you want your life to look like after you're not here, and the people you want to look out for. Lay those terms out. You know, I've seen, you know, a good friend of mine, husband's passed away in August, 39 years old, colon cancer, and sad, sad scenario, sad scenario. But it's certain things that her at 39, 40 years old that she's having to deal with that should have been taken care of on the front end. The last thing that you want to do is have somebody that really loves you is cleaning up your shit when you ain't here, especially your wife, because she going to talk all kind of crap. <laughs> this nigga going to leave me with this stuff. Nah, 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 nah. Mm. You know, just make it easy as possible. We're already, the persons are already grieving. They're grieving your loss, and then they got to handle your business after the fact. That's not, that's not how it's designed to be. We want to make sure they that transition is as seamless as possible. That right. way they won't be stressed out and just, you know, I've seen people, um, I've seen people throw away assets because somebody didn't have their stuff handled properly and they just throw it away because they're just tired of dealing with it. You know, I'm just, I'm just tired, man. I'm just another thing I got to deal with because things weren't laid out properly after they passed. So I mean, it depends on you as an individual on how you want things to look. That's what I wanted to look like for me. In my family so that's those are the top things that i got on my list that is awesome and i hope everybody received those gems and here's this man speak today and check out matthew 23 like he spoke earlier validation from your partner it's like you win a championship when you meet the right woman but can you defend the title and what i mean by that is once we put on our best selves to get the woman we want to stand next to us do we have enough to come back the next year and defend the title? I mean, making yourself look good. Sometimes we sit back and be like, oh, I did it. You start getting the, the dad body. You chill out. You're not working out like you used to. You're not stepping out with the fresh clothes. You only put your dope clothes on when you go with your homeboys, but you're not putting it on for her. How important is it to defend the title? Oh, man. It is... It is vital. It is pretty much a livelihood, man. And, you know, 
And one thing I've noticed, even with couples and relationships, man, a lot of people, once they have children, they put all their energy into their children, but that's not how it should be. That's not even how it's biblically written. You're supposed to put all your children, you know, all your energy into your partner and, you know, your children, of course, you maintain your children, but your your life source is your partner. That's where your energy goes. You know, you got to make sure that that tank is full on your partner, you know, because neither one of you can give anything from an empty tank. So you got to make sure that each one of you is filled at, at all times. And I will say, that's one thing that my ex-wife incorporated into our relationship and it helped and and it helped it helps us right now as we co-parent as friends you know because at the end i'm still going to look out for her regardless of the situation because she's the mother of my children i have the utmost respect for her you know you won't hear me say anything bad about her or our relationship because you know it didn't work it just didn't work the partnership just wasn't you know um the partnership worked for where we were but or we couldn't grow to the next level basically and and that's okay um it's, it's, that's just the nature of like i said earlier nature of business sometimes uh, but you gotta make sure you know that she she did a thing um you know how's your love tank today and mm-hmm. that's real that's a real thing mm-hmm. that's a real thing we gotta make sure that our tanks are always full because we can't pour into our partner if we're always on eat so and it's up to us to make sure we uplift each other at all times and you know again the partners are you know the man and the woman are the most important part of the relationship not the children the children are a portion of the relationship but they're not the most important part and i see a lot of parents fall into that trap regularly hey that's powerful uh you are exactly right and you should feel selfish about your partner, right? You should feel like you want them to be at their best at all times. So many people are afraid that their partner will outshine them. They kind of try to dim the, they dim their light without noticing. They do things to them like, yeah, yeah wear, that, wear that shirt. That's the good one. No one that's not the good one. You know, it's <laughs> just little things that you <laughs> don't even wear that dress tonight. Uh, I, don't, I don't feel like it, all these people checking. Like you should be secure with all of that and help pouring into them. I got one more thing to ask you that I came up with. It's called operating at 100%. Let me break it down. If you were operating at 100% in five categories, this is how I break it down for myself. I break it down into five categories. I operate in purpose, my health, confidence, money, and knowledge. If you can break those things down 20% each, within the last 24 hours, have you, like you said, love tank, but this is operating at 100%. Have you operated at 100%? Mm-hmm. In all five aspects? Yes. In all the last five 24 aspects, hours? Zero to 20. So when I say purpose, you were living in your work purpose, fulfilling your needs. When I say health, you ate right, you worked out, you did the due diligence on your body. Confidence, you did it confidently. Money, you made a little money today or you paid some bills, everything is even. And knowledge that you read something, you learned something new and took it in. Well, um, knowledge, uh, knowledge, um, I make sure that, uh, you know, I'm good on the knowledge part. That, that's one thing I'm at a 20 with every day. Um, you know, as a small book, matter of fact, I mean, hold on, I'm gonna do a quick plug, bear with me. Okay, let me see what you got. 
<laughs> I didn't show that in the video. <laughs> Got my little plate going. <laughs> All right, quick plug, quick plug. The Daily Stoic. The Daily Stoic. I'm not sure if you can see this, but this is uh, hold it to the camera. Hold this this is something I plug. I read every day. I'm trying to. I this, you know, I guess my background kind of got it fuzzy, but it's it, The Daily it, Stoic it, by it, Ryan Holiday. You can Google put it, it. Put it in front of yourself. Put it in front of you. Oh, it's still. You see it? <laughs> no, can't see it. <laughs> I am. I am. It, it's not working. See, no. yeah, it's not working. I guess. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess I don't want to plug it because the background got. But anyway, The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. It's basically 366 meditations on wisdom, perseverance, and a long art of living. Um, it basically gives you nuggets throughout the year. Every day has a date on it. Every day, and I just kind of uh, pick that up and read it. You know, I think I, you know it's short reads. It's very short. You know, Charlemagne the God actually uh, plugs it a lot in on his thread. Um, uh, it's it's a good it's a good read regularly. Kind of puts you you know it kind of give you perspective to start off your day. So I'm good there. Um, health. I ain't shit today on health, man. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't, <laughs> I'm at a zero on the. I'm at a zero. I done, you know, eating eating uh, chimichangas for lunch, and you know, and they did a bit of working out today. I'm trash today on the on the health. Uh, but here's the thing about the about the whole category. Uh, for me, you judge yourself weekly, so you can still get a B plus okay. if you work out. You know, every day is every day is just letting you know where are you going. Like a map, where are you going for your personal interests and your personal lifestyle if you were grading yourself? For me, I augmented the percentages a little bit. Knowing that I receive knowledge daily, I put knowledge at 5% and put more on health because I know I need to work out and need to do the things and make sure my body is at a place where I can do everything else with energy and confidence. So for me, that that's- But, but you know what though, let me- let me change that. Let me change that, man. I'm even though I haven't I haven't ate my best today and I didn't really do, you know, I've been okay for you know so far Monday, Tuesday this week. Um, I start my week off on Sunday. Sunday I started this, this the first day of the week for me. Sunday. It's pretty much, you know, on the calendar. So Sunday is the beginning of the week. Um so so I've been okay. You know, I'm coming off that holiday high though with this food, yeah. man. So you know. <laughs> hey, you know Let me plug a book for you um, in case you want to check one out real quick. Okay, talk to me. It's called Do the Work by Stephen Pressfield. It's I actually I heard that. It's a short read, maybe about 100 pages, but it breaks down resistance. And resistance is something we deal with every day, just like we spoke of earlier about anyone can be resistance. It can be your mate, your family members, your parents. And you have to recognize resistance for what it is and push past it. To word. do the things you need to do to stay in your purpose. Word, word. Um, going back to the health thing, man. Uh, I got a, I do have a colonoscopy scheduled uh, this week on Friday. So, um, black men, get self checked out, man. We don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about that enough at all, man. I'm 39 years old, you know, and I've had, like I said, I had a, you know, college buddy pass away from me. another buddy of mine diagnosed with colon cancer and of course we all know Chadwick Boseman you know same age you know same age group you know yeah. 45 and under you know so black men get checked out man even if you're not feeling it even if you know your doctor say well you're not that age push 
push, push, push to get checked out, man. So I get, you know what? Based on that, I give myself a higher grade on my health. You know, um, you know that's interesting. I, 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 I went to push for that where I am located, and they told me, no, you're supposed to come back in two or three years. And I'm like, I don't know about two, three years. Because one thing, and being in South Carolina State, when I didn't recognize when Dr. Spate, Dr. Spate, who, yeah. who I believe is head of the Sigmas, uh, he always used to say, you know, black men need to get their prostate check. And we used to laugh, but being we're being young teenagers, we're like, man, what? But now I, I, I get it. I get it. He, he put that in my brain, like, you need to go and make sure your health is good. So ever since I hit 30, man, I was like, yeah, I need to check on this. And to yeah. talk to, uh, you know, people around me and other black men who are older, they, they, some of them had polyps, some of them had got things that they were able to get past because they were, you know, headstrong about their health. You got to be headstrong about your health. Absolutely. Yep. I agree with you 1000%. Yep. Thank you, sir. You are now a part of the Silhouette Boys Club. It's people like you who move right. in the shadows to help people like me shine. Please today, tell us how you right. feel, where we can find you, if we want to talk to you. If you want to give out any social medias, we would love it. It would be awesome. Um, you know, well, I feel pretty good, man. I feel like it's a, I feel honored to be able to speak with you, man. As you even asked me, um, I feel it as a, as a blessing, man. Uh, I, I definitely appreciate the opportunity. So thank you for, for having me, um, uh, far as where you can find me, you know, my social media, I kind of keep that private, you know, I, I do post my children a lot and I don't believe in, uh, you know, having strangers being able to look at my children, you know, so I do kind of keep that private, but I do have, um, a public page on where me and a group of black men are building our community. Um, we call ourselves the Pendleton Rhinos. Pendleton, P-E-N-D-L-E-T-O-N, Rhinos. Um, you know, we uh, we created this that in the end of last year, beginning of this year, before COVID really took off, uh, to be able to you know be the driving force in our community that we need to see of black men doing things that we don't see us doing, um, you know, like I said, we hosted a voters registration drive, you know, we did a turkey drive, we were doing a toy giveaway within our community also, um, you know, we also getting involved in politics within our communities, you know, that's one thing you don't see happening within where we're from, you know, and it took me to leave my hood to go back to the hood to be able to, uh, you know, instill some of those things that I've learned along the way and myself and those other individuals that we are on the same squad with. Um, so you can follow us at, at Pendleton Rhinos. It's P-E-N-D-L-E-T-O-N Rhinos. It's R-H-I-N-O-S. Uh, and that's both on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, yeah, that, that way you can kind of keep up with our progress and what we got going on. Uh, we're, we're, we're determined to change the outlook of our community. Man, that's wonderful. I'm gonna have to get down with you guys and let people know what we got going on out here as black men in our community. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for being a part of today. Like I said, we appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jazz Wideman. Wow. All right, man, appreciate y'all, man. Love. Love.